Good morning. Sorry we're not able to, to meet with you face-to-face -to -face today. Uh, our phone, mine and Rachel's phones, pinged last Saturday, which means that we've had to go into isolation um, and we're going to be in here. We're allowed out, I think, tomorrow. But it means we've missed a lot of things. Um, we Well, we missed a barbecue last week and we, we missed communion and we missed singing together for the first time. But we are so looking forward to joining you again in fellowship and be able to, to have coffee together and sing together and, uh, and have a good chat together. So anyway, um, let's continue our, our series looking at the best sermon ever. And again, let me remind you, it's not this sermon. It's a sermon that Jesus preached. I'm just making a few comments on it. So uh, if you've got a Bible, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5. And we'll start at verse 27. It says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, then cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Wow, that's some teaching, isn't it? That's that's one of these things you go, whoa, wait a minute, that, that affects everybody in some ways. I mean, um, and it's, it, it's interesting that I think that, that Jesus is pointing out that none of us can measure up. I mean, if we were to ask the question, you know I mean? We're not asking the question, so please don't put your hand up for goodness sake. But if we were to ask the question, you know I mean? Who here has had, a, has had an adulterous affair? You know I mean? It would be a very small number, I imagine if any number at all, looking at you wonderful people. But um, if the question was who's, who's looked at a woman in the wrong way, in a lustful way, or who's looked at a man or dreamt about a man in a, in a different way, that, that would affect most of us at some point in our lifetime. It was like Jesus saying, you know, none of you match up. It's a bit like what he said last week or the week before with, with, when Peter, Peter spoke about anger. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Most of us haven't murdered anyone, but lots of us have been angry with people. We don't match up. In fact, Paul goes on to explain that, you know, when it comes to, to the commandments, the rules, the laws that, 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 that were given to, to Moses, that, that, I mean, no one matches up. The whole point of it was to show that we actually fall short. And that's why we needed to be rescued. That's why we needed a saviour. I mean, it says it, doesn't it? For, for, for all have fallen short of God's glory. Yet we, none of us match up. None of us are, are good enough or holy enough or, or godly enough to, to, to make it. We just fall short. And that's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus came to earth, because he was good enough. He was holy enough. He was godly enough to, to, to fulfill the law. And when Jesus died on the cross, when he gave up his life, he gave it up for the things that, that we did wrong the sin in our hearts, the things when, where we mess up, our selfishness. He died in order that we could find righteousness with God. It says in, in Corinthians, it says, um, for he who had no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. John in his gospel says that, yet to those who received him, those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus died for us, 
died for the things that we do wrong, but we have to choose to live for him. We have to choose him. We have to, to accept that sacrifice that he's done in our life. We've got to accept that he is the only one who, who can make us right with God. And if you've never done that, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Danny would love to have that conversation with you. So, so please don't leave. Don't leave the room if you, if you go that way. If you want to phone me, please, because we'd love to, to share and talk about that a bit more. But we all do fall short, don't we, when it comes comes to things like this. And I love it that, that you know, imagine his disciples were going to, Jesus, you know the, the plucking out the eye and the cutting off the hands, that's, that's just a, an illustration, isn't it? It's not, it's not real. You don't really expect us to do this, do you? But actually, there's some, some things we can do, isn't there? Paul tells us um, in the New Testament that we've got to flee from sexual immorality, flee from it. And so there's sometimes things that, that we can do. Yeah, I mean, if, if for instance, if, if the way you're falling down or the, the way that you're messing up, if it's viewing things on the internet you shouldn't be viewing, get rid of your computer. If it's, um, you know what I mean, phoning people, being in touch with people, getting onto Facebook, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're connecting with people that you shouldn't be connecting with, if you're flirting with people you shouldn't be flirting with, get rid of your phone. Same as at work. If you have a relationship that's not right at work, quit. I'd much rather quit than, than, than go through divorce. Flee from sexual morality. Flee from it. There is things that, that we can do. So let's look at this next bit, and we're going to look at it and look at, uh, uh, at some more verses that come up a little bit later on in Matthew's Gospel. So let's look at chapter 5, and we'll go on to verse 31. Has it, be, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And if you've got a Bible, flick over to chapter 19 and verse 3. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and he said, for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. It's been a difficult teaching within the church right from the start. And uh, we have early fathers commenting on this. Is this is this the only reason that, that divorce is permitted? Is for uh, you? Know, I mean, is for an adulterous affair? Is there no other reason? I mean, um, or origin. The early church father, second century, said this. He he wrote this. He said, um, "See a wife." is poisoning her husband or, or deliberately kills their baby. To endure such terrific sins 
which is, is, is in worse in some ways, will appear to be irrational. Nevertheless, from, from them days on, it seems to be that Jesus' teaching was plain that then the church followed it. That divorce wasn't granted for anything but adulterous affairs. Is that what it means? Is, is, this, is this what Jesus thought and planned? My story is when, when I was at school in my first um, year in primary school, uh, my mom and stepfather, first stepfather at that time, had a, a, a terrible divorce. Well, it was worse than that. My, my stepfather was abusive. He beat my mother black and blue. I'd often wake up to my mother uh, screaming for him to stop or screaming for me to run to neighbours to get help. Came to a head when uh, a little bit later on when um, when um, he came home and announced that it was going to be the end of me. My mom, my, my mom had to to fight him off and flee for our life, and we went to a, a police station, and then help came and he was arrested and put in prison. So would it be okay for that to happen? Would, you know what I mean in, in marriage is that acceptable? But an, an adulterous affair isn't. Oh, is that what Jesus is teaching? Is is that is that what, what's happening here? I don't believe it is. I believe um, well, we know because recently it has come up that they they found that there's a, a teaching that came about just before Jesus uh, was born, where some some of the the rabbis were arguing over um, a verse in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter twenty four and verse one, where it talks about divorce and a man could divorce his wife, and the phrase was for any any cause of nakedness. Now. One group, the, the Heliolites, split this into two phrases. Well, they know what nakedness meant. It meant an adulterous affair. And a cause could be any cause. So they said there's, there's two reasons here, a cause and um, an adulterous affair. And, and therefore, they, they said, well, causes could be anything like, I don't know, my wife burnt my dinner as a cause for a divorce or well she's got a wrinkle at the side of her face she didn't have when I married her it's a cause for for a divorce the other group the other group was the 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 shamanites so they 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 this group of um, rabbis they said no 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 this isn't two phrases this is one phrase a cause of nakedness basically means an adulterous affair and so when Jesus was around, the, the big argument of the day was, is, is this, this, this cause of nakedness, any cause, divorce. And, and, and so when people came to question him, this is what's in mind. Um, for instance, if we were to have a debate whether or not, you know what I mean, you know what I mean should 16-year-olds uh, be able to drink? We could have a great chat about this now, you know what I mean? We'd all be sitting going, well, maybe they should, they shouldn't, you know what I mean? But in reality, of course they should be allowed to drink, otherwise they're going to die of thirst. But the question in our minds, which I asked and which you probably thought, is it okay or not for 16-year-olds to be drinking alcohol? It's the same when it comes to this. The questions that come out, you know what I mean, is, is, is Jesus really dealing with the, the biggest issue of the day, any cause of naked, any cause divorce. 
And Jesus never held back. He had his, his viewpoints that, that some of the, the, the Pharisees, some of the, the rabbis of the time had different viewpoints on. Some thought it would be okay to, to marry many wives. You know what I mean? And Jesus says, no. It's one man, one woman come in one flesh. Not in polygamy. It's not what we do here. It's one one. And one becomes one, uh, one wife. Um, other things that, you know what I mean, uh, they would often teach that every man should be married. And Jesus is again saying, no, no, that's not true either. Uh, that every adulterous affair should end in divorce. And Jesus is like, no, no, that's not that's not right either. There should be a, a room for reconciliation here, for restoration if, if it is needed. But the, the big thing is, is would abuse be acceptable? And the answer is, of course not. You, I mean, Jesus didn't answer some things because that wasn't the question. You know what I mean? If someone came and said, should there be, should abuse be allowed inside marriage? I'm, I, the answer would definitely be no, because that was, uh, you know what I mean? If you look at the Old Testament rules, you know what I mean? When it looked at, at marriage, there were rules put in place to, to not allow that to happen. So Jesus doesn't have an opinion on that because it doesn't change from, from what it was from Leviticus chapter 21. He agreed with that. He never said, I'm not actually going to set up a whole new system of marriage. You know what I mean? And, and it, this is the new rules. He was just answering the question that came to him. You know what I mean? Does this, this new, any cause divorce, do you think this is right or wrong? He's like, no, it's definitely wrong. Only way people should split up is, you know what I mean? If, if things go completely wrong. But, the Old Testament, they had some rules set around so that people, um, there, were, there was there was things that were, were allowed and not allowed. There was when, when you came to marriage, people committed. They, they made a, there was a, a, a certificate. There was a, a, a commitment made when people got to marry, and the, the commitment was on three things. Okay, a man would commit to provide food, to provide cloth, and to provide love. And a woman would would um, commit to provide meals and provide clothes and to and, and to provide love, and and so when you know I mean if, if any of these rules were broken, then there was they would go to court and court would decide whether or not there was a reason for divorce. Now there's a couple of examples that come in in the first and second century that we use was made a sort of a a case point of, of this class's abuse or not. And one of them was um, a woman was not allowed to see her parents. And the second one was um, a woman was forced um, to take the the human waste from the home and to put it onto a, a, a manure heap rather than just pouring it down the drain. And and so when the courts came to it, said, this is, this is beyond it, that, that is abuse. And so they used these two these two cases to judge whether or not things were abuse and uh, and if they were they would agree to to divorce um so this idea that there was things put in place to protect a couple to see what's allowed and not allowed to see if there's neglect to see if abuse was there so um in Jesus's well, uh, just before Jesus's day, the, the, the lawyers, the, the rabbis, came up with these lawyers to say, "Look, what is the minimum? You know what I mean, what is the minimum? How, how much food needs to be provided? How many meals does need to be made? How much cloth? How, how, how much clothes need to be made?" And then they came to the big one: now, uh, how much? How much love? What's the minimum of, of that? And they came up with this is true. They came up with a system that a normal working man uh, would be. You know what I mean, would be expected 
to sleep with his wife once a week. Uh, a traveling salesman would get six months off. So, you know, I mean, you, you, sorry, he would get one month off. He would be allowed to, to have a month off sleep with his wife once a month. Uh, a, a sailor, for instance, would be given six months um, leave of action as such. Uh, but if you were unemployed, you were expected uh, to perform every night. So they put it into, into practical ways. If, if either partner neglected to provide food, clothes, love, a divorce would be granted. Sometimes some things were, were hard to work out. It's easy to figure out the sort of physical neglect, but what about the emotional n neglect? And, and they, they came up with some other ways to, to, to deal with this. The rabbis would often um, put in place fines, many fines along the way. Uh, so, for instance, if a man, um, you know I mean, just I mean, there's no love there for his wife. There's no no uh, love in the marriage. They would take from him a small fine and put it into the the, the dowry pot of of the wife, which she would get if they divorced. He would take the money, put it in the pot uh, uh, until all his money ran out. And it's similar if it was the other way around. They would take the money from the pot and. Um, uh, sorry, they reduced the money in the pot, so she would be affected. The idea is, you know, what I mean, that they would try and, and try and find reconciliation, try to make things work. The usual way when it came to divorce was would be that um, that if a man uh, uh, divorced his wife, that he would have to return the dowry. And we'd have to pay um, 200 zek, which was roughly the equivalent of about 40,000 pounds today. So it was an expensive thing. But she had to, to learn to live off this for the rest of her life. This was what her only means. This is her, her protection. And if it was the other way, if a woman wanted to divorce her, her husband, she would have to give up her dowry to her husband. So when Jesus is answering all these questions, there are lots of things going through his head, but the idea that um, abuse would be acceptable in a marriage is not there. Uh, Jesus realizes, you know, I mean, that, 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 that divorce can be painful. Uh, in fact, in some ways, he probably knows it better than most because because God um, has been called a divorcee. Uh, uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah calls him a divorcee because um, he divorced Israel because of her unfaithfulness. The way that the, the way that the people um, chased after other gods, he saw it as uh, um, adulterous affairs that they were having, and so eventually came to to the end and said, "Well, that's it. I divorce you. It's, it's coming. It's coming to an end." Um, but think of the, the people in the past. I mean, oh, Malachi, what does he say? He says, um, God says he hates divorce. He hates the, he hates the treachery of, of, you know I mean, of, of people wrecking each other's lives. But he does love divorcees. That's the difference. He loves the people. He doesn't live the, love the, 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 the process. I mean, look at some of the big people who had affairs. I mean, David was an adulteress. And yet God loved him, restored him, made him. Um, what about Jesus when he was around? It said he deliberately went out of his way to go and find this woman who, who'd been married five times. He was a, she was the first person that he explained that he was the Messiah to. She mattered to God. So people matter. 
And divorce can be painful, but I believe this, and I believe this from my heart, that abuse has no place in marriage. No place in marriage. It's not what God intended, and it's not how it should be. Yes, it, 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 you know what I mean, things can fall, fall apart, you know what I mean, but um, there's no room for abuse, no room whatsoever. And this question of relationships going wrong, relationships do go wrong. And restoration can happen, and sometimes it doesn't. But it doesn't stop how much God loves you. So it's a tough one, and, and there's lots more to be said on this. And I'd love to sit down and take questions, because this is a sort of subject it would be really worth working through and, and talking through. But, uh, but we're, we're coming to an end this morning. But the, the key thing you've got to remember is um, that God loves you. And he loves you even in the darkest times or when your heart's breaking. And, and someone described a divorce like um, two bits of paper that are glued together. And when you pair them, take them apart, they literally just rip right through the seams. It can be one of the most painful things ever to go through. And if you've gone through that or going through that, you need to know that, that, that God is with you, even in the darkest, hardest parts. God's best plan is for a man and woman uh, to live together in harmony and, and love, but it doesn't always work that way. So let me pray and we'll, we'll come to an end. So Father, I pray and thank you for, for uh, that you love us. And um, I pray, Father, for anyone who's, who's gone through or is going through uh, this process, I really pray um, that you be with, there with them. I pray that you, you heal their hearts. Father, may they know that they're loved. And Father, I pray uh, for those who, whose marriages are struggling. Father, may there be reconciliation. May you step in. May love win. May you find a solution to things. But Father, I pray for those who, who are finding abuse. Um, Father, this, this shouldn't be. I pray, for, pray that you provide a way for them. So bless us, Father. I thank you that you, you speak about all things in life, uh, things that are good, but also things that are difficult and painful. So bless us, we pray in your name. Amen. And as I say, if you want to chat more about this or I've got some questions for this, please get in touch because I love to chat and, and, and take more on it. Anyway, catch you later. God bless.